Well, we're going to go for part four on the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit in our daily life, we've talked about who Holy Spirit is uh, in the Godhead, you know, kind of what he does in our daily lives. We talked about our prayer language. Last week, we talked about being spirit-led or flesh-driven, which was kind of a, a heavy subject. Uh, when you go to reading and studying the works of the flesh, it's that's some pretty heavy stuff. But we have a choice. We can be flesh-driven and we can get the works of the flesh or we can be spirit-led and have the fruit of the spirit. And I think we all decided after reading that we want the fruit of the spirit. We want the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, right? So Galatians 5 is where we read from. I'm just going to repeat it before we start tonight. In Galatians 5.16, it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The King James Version says, walk by the Spirit, or walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. To be Led by the Spirit, I really liked, I think it was Strong's, either Strong's or Vine's, when it talked about being led or walking by the Spirit, one of the definitions was to respond to the Spirit. And that word just really stood out to me for tonight. When we talk about being led by the Spirit, we're talking about once you're born again, and especially if you're Spirit-filled, you have another voice talking to you other than your body and your flesh. Thank the Lord. Because I don't want to be flesh-driven, and I don't want to be soul-driven. Because our soul is our emotions, and if you are led around by your emotions, you're led around on a roller coaster. Because those emotions can change. <laughs> they can turn on a dime. And so when we're born again and we start listening to the Spirit, especially when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have another voice speaking to you saying, go this way, don't go that way, say this, don't say that. And we need to respond to that voice. That's what it means to live by the Spirit, to respond to that voice. So I really want to key in on that word as we're talking tonight about learning to be led by the Spirit. You know, if I say be led by the Spirit and you walk out of here and you don't have a clue what I'm talking about or what the Scripture is talking about, we really haven't gained anything other than I have no idea how to be led by the Spirit. I see I need to be. I don't want the works of the flesh. I want the fruit of the Spirit. But what is she talking about? What does it look like in my daily life to walk by the Spirit or to be led by the Spirit outside of the church walls in our daily lives. And I really, I'm just going to reference this. I pulled it up on my computer. I, I didn't get this until tonight. And, of course, y'all weren't here. My, my help wasn't here. And then I thought, well, I could probably get somebody to do it for me. But I started watching it and started crying. So I decided that y'all can watch it at home. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an example that my dad used in a message. So that alone makes it emotional. On top of that, the song they're playing, I played at my son's funeral. So then it's just all over, folks. I can't watch it uh, in front of y'all and keep it dry. So, but it's a great example of responding to when the Holy Spirit 
when the Spirit speaks to us. And it's called, when you look it up on YouTube, it's called Stacy Westfall. Her last name is Westfall. Stacy Westfall's Championship Run. Stacy Westfall's Championship Run. And I don't even know how well it would show up there because we don't have an excellent screen up there. We probably need to fix that issue. I don't even know how well it would show up because I think it was in 2006 maybe that she made this championship run. And it is her on her horse without a bridle sitting on top of that horse and just guiding that horse simply by her movement. Y'all pull it up. You girls, go back to the house tonight and say, our homework is to watch this video, okay? Guys, James, homework is to watch this video. It is the most beautiful, incredible. Her guiding this beast with a simple nudge, the movement of her knees, the movement of her feet, doing incredible things just with a nudge. That's where we want to get with the Holy Spirit. And the training, that didn't happen overnight. And it's probably not going to happen overnight that you're, you're hearing the Holy Spirit so accurately that all he has to do is say, read this, do this. That came with time. It came with experience. It came with practice. And it came with a whole lot of love between the master and the subject. Trust. Trust on both ends of that thing. Her trust in the horse and the horse's trust in her. And the submitting of that horse to the guidance of the performer, of the woman, had to be absolutely incredible to get the results that she got. And when, when John and I were talking in the office about where we were going to go with this tonight, you can't be led if you're not willing to submit. You can only be driven. We can go home. We're not. <laughs> but... If I worked all day, y'all are going to get it all. <laughs> we have to learn how to submit, and there it, it takes a trust. And I think a lot of times it's not in us not hearing God. It's in us not trusting God. We want to revert back to our own knowledge, our own experience. Well, I can't forgive I can't forgive because they hurt me. They'll hurt me again. Well, guess what? They're going to hurt you again whether you forgive them or not. The, 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 what the Holy Spirit's trying to do is to get you to forgive so that you're not held prisoner. And so the act that they did doesn't continue in you. But forgiveness stops that act from continuing in you. And, and he knows that, but do we trust him enough that when he says, this is just an example, it's not what we're teaching on tonight. When he says to forgive, do we trust that nudge enough? Do we trust him enough to respond to it? And our response is obedience. That's where we, 
that's what we're aiming for tonight is to see where we are, where we need to grow in this because being led requires trust and submission requires trust. Let's talk about how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. How does he approach us? How do we hear him? We're just going to talk about a few ways tonight so that when it happens, you can recognize it and you can judge it. Because sometimes, especially when we, when we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to us through our thoughts, through our own mind, through our own spirit, if you will, and a thought comes to us, hey, you need to give that person some money. You need to pay for their groceries. You need to forgive that person. You need to talk to this person. You need to say this to this person. When it comes to us just in our thoughts, we sit there and go, was that God or was that me? Was that just my thought? And we'll argue it, we'll reason it. When we've got to learn if it's him or not, when we know it's him, we respond, right? So one of the, the most sure way that you're going you're gonna to hear God is through his word. The, the written word of God, the most sure way and the way that we judge any other way we talk about tonight. Because God has a mode of operation. He has a way of doing things. He has a certain character and his character does not change. And so if he asks us to do something or we think we're hearing something from God, but it doesn't fit the written character of God, it's not God. So it, a lot of this growing and hearing the Spirit and knowing it's the Spirit instructing us is knowing some scripture, knowing some basic things. Like, for instance, God is love. God is love. So anything he instructs us to do, guess what? It's going to be love. And, and sometimes if we're, if we're instructed to correct our kids, if God shows us something, there's something we need to deal with in our homes, it may be a hard thing, but the result of it is love. And so his word is the most sure way he speaks to you. If you don't read that book like it's God speaking to you and see yourself in the story, in the scripture, what is he trying to show me through this passage? Then it is just a book and it will not change your life. It becomes real when it becomes us. And so we find ourselves in the word. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified if you've got your device on you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'll give you a moment to get there. Sometimes I get to run in a race up here and don't give you time to turn. Verse 16. Remember, I'm reading out Amplified, so it'll be a few, little bit wordier than the King James Version. He says, Every scripture is God-breathed or given by his inspiration. It's God talking. There, there's something God's trying to say in every scripture that's in the Bible. And it is profitable for instruction, 
for reproof, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline in obedience, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. You need instruction. You need correction. You need direction. The word of God is God-breathed. He put his DNA in it. And, and it is timeless. So the same word that, that they read back in Paul's day or Timothy's day, it is just as relevant now to John or to Billy because it's God-breathed. It's timeless. And it can instruct Sharon and instruct Kyle in two different situations at the same time. The same scripture will become personal to their situations if we read it to be personal. It is God speaking to you. And it will bring instruction and correction. So a lot of times we're looking for some outside burning bush. And we just need to read our Bible. And we'll know what to do. It's the seed of all wisdom. And you might not can go in there and read what college you need to go to or who you need to marry, but it can give you the wisdom to make that decision. It's, it is the most relevant word you'll ever receive. And when you read a scripture or you hear a scripture, whether it's in song or in a book or, or if it's somebody uh, speaking to you in class or whatever, and you hear a scripture and it clicks with you, you know what I mean? It's like, man, that's good. It just kind of hits you. Guess what? That is the Spirit connecting with that verse and bringing it to life for you. It's, it's, it's an indication that it's what God wants you to hear tonight. And it'll, it'll just click with you. It'll stand out to you. It'll come to life in you. And oftentimes this is the first the first step in hearing the Spirit of God speak because it's the most sure way. Then as you mature, there may be other ways, but it is the most sure way, and it's how you judge every other way. I know we're not going to exhaust these, okay? I'm just going to put them out there. We can study. You can study them individually. But another way God speaks to us is in our thoughts, like we talked about a while ago. And I think we, we mentioned this last week. But we, when we have a thought that's smarter than us, it's God. Have you ever had a thought that was smarter than you? And you were like, man, that was a great thought. It probably wasn't yours. It was probably God's. And anything that goes against our flesh, like, you know, when you get your paycheck and God says, hey, you really need to help your sister-in-law. You really need to help that family across the street. That's probably not your flesh. And it's probably not because it goes, that goes against the flesh because you know what you wanted to get with that extra money. And so when a thought comes to us and it's giving, it's probably God. And, and, and if it's in the character of God and it lines up with the word of God, Amos 4.13, Old Testament, minor prophet, just go to Matthew and take a left for a couple of chapters. Um, just a real short sentence here in Amos 4.13. He says, He who forms the mountains 
creates the wind and reveals his thoughts to man. What? God reveals his thoughts to man? Yes. Yes, he does. And I love that. It's so simple. But to think that the God who, who formed the mountains, who created the wind, he wants to reveal his thoughts to you. We serve a God who speaks. We serve a God who speaks. I love what Jesus said, now that you finally found Amos. <laughs> oh, she hadn't. Never mind. We'll just find it later, hon. <laughs> How about John? Everybody turn to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Gospels, right? Jesus is speaking in chapter 16. We'll give Tanya time to get out of wherever she found to get there, close to Amos. All right. This is the New Testament. Jesus has come. He's getting ready to leave the earth. He's trying to teach his disciples about the Holy Spirit who's going to come after Jesus is resurrected and ascends. John 16, verse 13. Jesus said, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you. And he's only going to give us truth. He's only going to give us what the Father tells him to give us. And we can trust. That comes back into that trust issue. When we decide it's the Holy Spirit, we can trust what he's saying. And, y'all, there's been times that he's asked me to do things that I didn't want to do. I my flesh did not want to do it. And, I, and I've given this example before, so I'll give it again. We, I like to dabble in real estate a little bit. And so we had picked up some rental properties. Uh, I like to buy rental properties out close to where we live. And it's just easier to manage that way. And I, I had come across a really good deal on a beautiful little piece of land. had two trailers on it. And I thought, well, I can, I can uh, rent out those two trailers and then later, you know, at the time Wade was still living, if Wade or Chelsea or, or um, you know, grandkids in the future want to have that land and be out across from mom's place and beautiful little piece of property. And great little rentals just really did real well for us. Just two older trailers. It was perfect low-income low rental. It was nice for people that didn't need to spend a lot on rent. So I felt like I was providing a good service for people that didn't need to spend a lot of money. And there was... There were some people that didn't like my son very well. Wade had, Wade had gotten killed by this point, and, and uh, God told me to give those people that property. I know, your flesh doesn't even like it. Your flesh doesn't even like it. And I was like, man, I, that had to be God. Because I wasn't making that up in my head. I wouldn't have dreamed that in my wildest dreams. And you know, through this whole, they, they approached me. They wanted to buy it. And that's when God told me to 
I didn't give it to them. I sold it to them, but I sold it to them well. And um, it was a moneymaker. So, you know, I was giving away a business. I mean, it was business for what I gave for it. And y'all, immediately after I said, this is what I'll do, God did a miraculous move in our finances. Miraculous. We weren't, we weren't even hurting, but God just needed me to forgive. He needed to restore a relationship, and he blessed the socks off of them and us all at the same time. That was not my flesh. That was the Holy Spirit, and I had to trust him I mean, trust him to follow through with it. That didn't come when I was a new Christian. That came years on down the road. But I just give it as an example. Is there's times that God may ask you, the thought may come to you to do something, and you're trying to decide if is this, you know, this is the devil. <laughs> it's the devil telling me to do that. No, that's not in the devil's character. That's in God's character. And so... It's not, always, it's not always an easy thing, but he'll tell you what is to come. He'll speak to you. And sometimes it's in what, um, in 1 Kings nineteen twelve, what he told the prophet was it, was, it would be a still, small voice. You know, if somebody, if, if Kim would have come to me and said, God told me to tell you that you need to let them ha have those that piece of property. I don't look at you, you're a crazy lady. But he just spoke it in here. And you know what? I just knew he was right. There's a, there's a way to know that you know that you know when you're knower. As I think Creflo uses that. Know that you know. You just, it just clicks with you. It just confirms with you that this is what God's wanting you to do. It feels right. When you, when you sit on that, it, it, it feels right. It settles well with you. And it, it may not be a burning bush. It may be a still, small voice where he's just speaking to you through your thoughts. I have never heard the audible voice of God. You may have, but I've never heard him like coming through a speaker over here. It's For me, it's always been a thought. And I, and I had to judge if it was God or not God. But this might be the biggest area of struggle when we're learning to be led by the Spirit. Is this God or is this me? There's, there's ways to tell. Is what you thought in his character, does it line up with his word? Is there a precedent for it or an occasion like, like it in the word? And did it bring peace with it? Because if you heard from God and you didn't respond with obedience, peace won't be there yet. And what I love about the God we serve is that he wants us to hear him and he doesn't mind repeating himself. He doesn't mind repeating himself. I want to talk to you about the peace that comes with it for just a moment. Two different scriptures. You don't have to turn to this one, but we'll just refer to it in John 14, although you're close to it, aren't you? 
John 14, Jesus is speaking. In verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Which tells me there's a way to kind of feel a worldly kind of peace. And then there's the true peace. The worldly kind of peace is when our flesh feels good. It's when we are getting to do what we want to do. So the world has a way of offering some peace. But Jesus said, the peace that I'm living, leaving with you, we may be even doing difficult things, things that are hard on our flesh or things that God's instructed us to do that we might not want to do, but there can still be a peace there with it. That's not the world's kind of peace. And so if you're responding to what God is telling you to do or instructing you to do and you have peace, that's the Jesus kind of peace. That's the kind of peace he left with you. Colossians 3.15. Let's go there. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. I don't know how y'all make that clock go so fast on Wednesday nights. I'm telling you. i got to move along. We're on number two. I love this one. This is going to give some of you some answers on knowing that you've heard from God in making some decisions. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I'm reading out the Amplified. And let the peace or the soul harmony which comes from Christ rule. Act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. What does an umpire do? The ball is thrown. The batter is in the box. Is it in the strike zone? Is it not? Is it a, is it a strike? Is it a ball? The umpire says, ball. And with all finality, the decision is made. He says that the peace that comes from Christ will act as an umpire continually in your heart, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. Is this from God or is this my flesh? Did, was that thought from God? Was that instruction from God? Or was that just somebody giving me something that they dreamed up in their own heads? He will act, the peace that comes from Christ will act as umpire and say, mm-mm, that wasn't from me. Or, yeah, that fits. You got the image of that? The peace will act as umpire. If there's no peace, that's a ruling. That's a ruling. That was a foul ball. That's a ruling. If there's peace, he'll act as umpire. And he'll make the call that that is correct. It will decide and settle all questions that arise in your mind. Isn't that good? Verse 16 says, Let the word spoken by Christ have its home in your heart and dwell in you in all of its richness as you teach and admonish and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom. I read that one because it goes with what we're going to say next after 
after hearing the voice and, and judging it by peace, God might speak to you through people. And it, it may not be a thus saith the Lord moment. You know, you may be working, working on something at work and somebody just says something in passing, but it's what God's been dealing with you about and you haven't responded to God yet about it and he doesn't mind repeating something. So he has somebody come by and say something or he has that song come on the radio or he has the minister read that scripture that lights up in your spirit. Or he has the teacher where you are say something. Or you pick up a book and you read one line and it connects to what God's been telling you. And suddenly it's confirmation. And this is key when other people are speaking to you and saying that it's God. Is it confirmation to what God's already dealing with you about? Because it will always be confirmation of what God's always dealing with you about if somebody says, thus saith the Lord. He'll try to deal with you first. And then if you need it in a louder voice, he'll have somebody else come along. And, but you'll know it's confirmation to what he's already been dealing with you about. The sooner you learn that, the better. Otherwise, somebody will call you into the ministry. Have you quit your job? I mean, have you married somebody that lives next door to them, you know, and with a thus saith the Lord, and I feel like God told me this. Well, if God hadn't told you, he hadn't told them. It's going to be confirmation of what he's already spoken to you. So when somebody speaks to you and you're wondering if it's God, you need to make sure there's no personal agenda for them. Because that's called Manipulation. That's not called the word of God. The word of God does not manipulate. It leads. If you seek wise, if you seek counsel, seek wise counsel. If you need to hear from God and you need to seek counsel, you need somebody to help you, then seek wise counsel. What's wise counsel? Somebody that's successfully been led in that area. Led. <laughs> led by God in that area. We need to be really careful. We can learn from the world. We can learn from people that are not godly. They've, they've got some knowledge. But there are certain things that, that we only need to counsel people that have the wisdom of God. If I was going to talk about bank loans, I might be willing to go down and talk to somebody that's just informational. But there's other things. If you're dealing with your marriage, uh, you don't want to talk to the world. And it should, there again, bear witness with your spirit. We have to be careful when we're looking for other people to speak for God to us. Because here's what we tend to do. We tend to seek out people who will say what we once said. That will agree with what we want. The fourth way, or one of the ways that he can speak to us is through dreams and visions this doesn't happen every day but hey I'm game <laughs> if he wants to use a dream or a vision I am game and sometimes the the best way for God to speak to me is at night maybe not even with a dream or a vision but just in my thoughts when I finally shut up and I'm quiet and I can hear 
But the prophet Joel made it very plain that in the last days that, that there would be dreams and visions. And it, it's, it's happened in the Old Testament, it happened in the New Testament, but I believe it's going to increase and that God can reveal things to us in our sleep or through visions. Um, the other way is supernatural manifestations, which the other one would, all of these would fall under if the Spirit's talking to us. But you know God's used angels Old Testament, New Testament, he's used angels. He's used a donkey. True story. He's used a burning bush. He used a light for Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus himself spoke to Paul, and that light uh, knocked him off his horse. In Acts 12, an angel wakes up Peter. I, I kind of think the angel might have kicked him in the side. It, it indicates that the angel was like, hey, he was asleep, he was in prison, and, and the angel woke him up and led him out of the prison. You know, you have to respond to the donkey. You have to respond to the burning bush. And you think, well, if God gave me a burning bush, no, you don't know. If God gave you a burning bush, you might have thought you ate bad pizza. I mean, everybody has to respond to how God speaks to them or it doesn't do any good. And so whether it's an angel, a burning bush, a donkey, a lot, or an angel wakes you up, you have to respond. Y'all can look up those examples. They're fun to look at. Another way he speaks to us is simple things, y'all, like nature. And Romans 1.20 indicates there's no excuse not to believe in God just because of nature. And if you want to hear God and you want to set an atmosphere to hear his voice, nature's a great place. It, it just is. Go sit out by the lake. Or go out in the woods and just, when you're needing to hear instruction from the Holy Spirit, you know, put yourself in an atmosphere. Nature is God country. And it's, it's just, it's a great way to listen. He can speak to you through music. He can speak to you through books. He can speak to you through, through teachings on the internet or the television. He's not limited. He's, I promise you right now, the words of God that you need to hear are being spoken somewhere. Because if you need to hear, he's speaking it or has already spoken it. And I love Romans 1 for nature. And it's one of the ways that God has always spoken to me. And I think it's because I, I have to get to a quiet place where I can actually hear what he's saying. So the truth is God is not in God speaking. It's in our hearing. And how many avenues do we give God to speak? How much time do we give God to speak? Are we listening? Are we wanting to hear? You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't mind us learning to hear Him. He doesn't mind us learning. He doesn't mind your mistakes. He doesn't mind it when you miss it, other than it costs you something. You know, if you pull out over here and you just feel like you need to go left instead of right. And you don't respond. And you have a fender bender. It wasn't God giving you a fender bender to teach you something. It was God speaking to you to save you the trouble. 
And how many times has God spoken to me to save me the trouble, but I didn't respond? And a lot of people will look at that and say, well, I didn't listen, so God did this. No, no, God was trying to save you from that. That's why he's speaking. It's always why he's speaking is for the love of you. And so don't forget that, and you'll hear people say different things, like I didn't listen to God, so he did this. No, he knew that was going to happen. That's why he said, go left. <laughs> Turn left. It's perfectly fine to say, Holy Spirit, keep speaking to me while I'm learning to listen. Holy Spirit, if that was you, you know, keep speaking that to me. He really doesn't mind repeating himself when we're truly wanting to make sure that we are hearing from him because we don't want to miss it. So this is why God often layers and repeats in different ways, like we talked about earlier. I might say something up here, or you might have already had a thought, and then you'll hear it in a song or you'll read it in a book, and he doesn't mind layering. He's just saying and saying and saying and saying and saying and giving you confirmation that it was him saying. And we serve the kind of God that doesn't mind doing that. And I appreciate that. Because I have not responded before to his instruction. And it's costly. It's costly not to respond to what he is saying. Once we know that we've heard, we submit. We trust. We submit, and we are obedient, and that's how he can lead us. And that's crucial, because the more we override hearing him, the harder of hearing we get. The scripture, I'll call it, our hearts getting calloused. You know, back in the day, we didn't type on things, we, we used pencils. And, and I would, I'm left-handed, and I would get this callus on my finger from that number two pencil. Pencils. They're these instruments. They're long and skinny. They have a little eraser at the top that we used when we were in school. And it was from, you know, and he says our hearts can get calloused where they're not tender towards, where they're not responsive to him. And that's the danger of overriding his voice, overriding his instruction, and just doing what we want to do, even though we know what God said. Keep, it, keep your heart tender to his touch, if you will, like that horse and rider that we talked about earlier. Respond, even if it's with a question. Even if it's with a, God, if that was you, say that to me again. Respond. Respond. Even if it's with a question, respond. Don't ignore the voice of the Spirit because you will get to where you don't hear the Spirit. It's kind of like if you ignore your husband or wife. You know, you get to where you just, you, you hear that they're speaking, but you're not hearing that they're speaking to you. Why? Because you've just, you've overridden it. 
We call it selective hearing. We can't afford selective hearing when it comes to the voice of God. It is there for us, for us. And it, it's, it's powerful when we can learn to flow in it. Imagine how many pitfalls we could skip having to climb out of. And God is gracious when we throw ourselves in a pit to help us get out. But it's costly. Imagine what we could skip if we learn to listen to the voice of God and respond to it. A lot. In my life, a lot. It's good. And he's speaking. Amen.